Good evening, D3 Hoops basketball fans. Welcome to the new year. Happy New Year. And I hope you're ready because the new year's already off to a bang. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. You, welcome in to another edition of Hoopsville, the first one back in the new semester after the new year. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll uh, enjoy this one as it were. We always hope you enjoy this one. Here on, uh, I think it's Golden Globe Night. It is Raven, uh, Ravens, Ravens lost. Wild card weekend here in the NFL. More importantly, though, it is basketball season once again in Division Three. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Again, you can tune in and uh, interact with us if you want via Facebook, facebook.live or facebook.com slash hoopsville. We are on air there. Uh, what else? We've got... Uh, of course, Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com as well. We are in, on Instagram at D3Hoopsville there as well, but we don't tend to chime in as much there as we normally would. Uh, if you got questions for us, that's how to get a hold of us. We've got lots to talk about tonight, obviously, as <laughs> it has been an interesting start to say the least, uh, to the new year. We got lots of news to cover since we last talked to you all. Let's start with the technology side. If you tuned in at all in the first semester, or especially the last show of the first semester, you know we had some tech issues. Here's what we did. We looked at both hardware and software. We are vowing to still re replace our software. It just takes a little longer than we would like to, to basically un upend, jeez, eight, seven years worth of, uh, of workflow, as it were, and go to a brand new system. So we're still new learning the new system. In the meantime, though, we looked at the hardware and decided it was time to uh, readjust the hardware. So we did that too. Um, so we redid it all, as it were. And software will come. And we're going to continue using this unless we see a major problem tonight. But hardware-wise, we're already seeing significant changes in our hardware, and we are thrilled to see those changes and to continue along. Made a couple minor changes to our backdrop, if you noticed. Um, more changes coming. These are temporary. We're, we're trying to figure out what we best like. We noticed after hanging up one thing, for example, that it's not going to work there as well as we had hoped. There's a little bit of glare. Uh, and uh, our Augustana fan's going to notice his gift to the show is now a little too high, maybe. We can't seem to win. We will figure a way to get it all to work at some point in time. I would also admit maybe our camera is a little bit low. See, you don't want to shoot too much of the ceiling, but there, we'll do our best to get it to work that way. Got lots to talk about tonight. Not only do we have a new top 25 that is coming out tomorrow, we should go back a step, look at the D3Hoops.com classic from Las Vegas. Uh, we also should uh, look at some of the records that were set in the last few weeks while we were busy talking to all you. Again, a top 25 is coming out on both sides, and I think we got some fascinating conversations to be had there. And now we also get into our routine of talking about particular conferences, or at least, or I should say, particular regions, or really having guests from particular regions. On, on particular shows. If you are a fan of the show, you know how this works. But to recap and just to remind, from now on, on Sundays, we will primarily talk Northeast, Atlantic, South, and uh, Central regions. We will also, starting next Sunday, debut this season's NABC Coaches Corner segment. 
On Thursdays from now on, we will talk primarily uh, East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West, with sometimes a little bit of South thrown in there when we just have a challenge on the schedule uh, with the South team potentially not available on a Sunday. We will also on Thursday debut the WBCA uh, center court segment. Now looking forward to having those two big segments coming back. You'll also notice some other changes here uh, today and moving forward. Again, 7 o'clock Eastern time is where we are at for the rest of the season for the most part. There is at least one Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, where that will change. More details when we get closer. We may just push this. We're actually probably going to push the show to Monday if we do on that weekend, but that's news to be released at a later date. Uh, also, we have uh, the marathon show, which is tentatively scheduled right now for January 31st, which is the Thursday before our first set of regional rankings, as I best remember it. And so we'll double check on all of that. So there you go. Lots of ways you can, uh, uh, lots of information, lots of ways you can interact with us. We hope you take advantage of all those. Don't be shy, as it were. Um, so there you go. So what do we talk about? Well, first off, let's talk about the guests that are going to be on tonight's show. Uh, for starters, we'll be talking a number, by the way, no particular order here. Number three, Augustana men's basketball coach Greg Giovanni will be joining us. Looking pretty solid at 5-0 and in the CCIW after getting past both Norths this week. They played North Central and North Park. We'll talk to him about, do we dare ask him about going undefeated in the conference? Maybe not. But we'll definitely talk about what he sees in the conference. Interestingly enough, Illinois Wesleyan, I believe, has lost five of their last six. Thought they were better than that. I think they are better than that, but could they be kind of now a curveball in the conference? Wheaton certainly playing well. North Central saw them in Vegas, was really impressed with how they played, but oddly enough, Augustana, and I don't mean that that Augustana would lose, but I wasn't expecting Augustana to control or handle North Central as much as they did. By the way, scary moment in that game. Um, Blaze Meredith going up for a block on a breakaway by Augustana, Ended up driving his head into the bottom of the backboard. Uh, really liked the way Blaze Meredith played. Saw him in Vegas, as we mentioned, but that one kind of gave you a start. You know, luckily, he got up. Apparently, is okay. But jeez, that made Sports Center, which is maybe not always the best way to do things, as it were. So there you go. Um, let's see. Uh, we also will talk to. Sorry, as we're switching accounts here. We'll also talk to Center Men's Basketball Coach Greg Mason on the show um center off to a 12 and 2 start interestingly enough got slobber knocked by augustana back in december uh, off to a 2 and 0 start in conference play this weekend in particular including today with wins over Hendricks and Rhodes. what do make of the colonels you know the 12 and 2 looks good but that loss to augustana raises questions so we'll talk to greg about his team and the saa and can the saa maybe Take a significant step forward. I think a lot of us, me in particular, thought when the SAA was formed that that was going to be a conference much like the landmark that was going to kind of step out and and really be a contender. And much like the landmark, I don't think it has. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll talk to Greg, get his perception on all of that. And we now have the, the an all-new winningest coach in Division Three women's basketball. Andy Yasinoff of Emmanuel is at 816 wins. He went past Mike Strong uh, this past week uh, down in Florida, uh, appropriately enough, and not this past week, actually back in late December. 
We will talk to him about that milestone, why Mike Strong was part of it. <laughs> a little curveball for you. Also talk to him about how much more coaching he may have left in him and Emmanuel's in the GNAC. How will they do? I think they got a little bit of competition this year in that conference. So that's all ahead here on the show. We are double-checking that we are uh, on air, which is always a good thing. If you got questions for us, tweet us. You can join us on Facebook Live. You can message us. There's even a Periscope message because we're on Periscope. Uh, according to me, I'm connected to all three accounts, so just waiting for you to, to, to fire away a question. We'll certainly try and answer them for you. A reminder, again, we are on air for the rest of the season on primarily Sundays and Thursdays, though. There's a couple curveballs coming, but we don't have any time off that we're expecting through the end of the season. You will see some new... Uh, broadcasting partners, and we want to welcome them in. You'll see them. You'll understand who they are. We don't need to word for word them necessarily here tonight, but I uh, hope you'll uh, at least appreciate uh, what they're doing to help us be on the air. So we'll also talk, by the way, to Ryan Scott, uh, columnist for D3Hoops.com. He'll come in with our double top 25 double take. There's a lot to double take, to be honest, and let's talk about that. Just since the last poll was, uh, was released, the top seven – have not lost. That said, it doesn't mean there isn't news out there. Hamilton got um, past both Keene State and Trinity this week by the skin of their teeth, or this weekend by the skin of their teeth. Had to come back. They beat Trinity uh, this weekend, 72-70. Had to come back against Keene State to win 85-80. Against Ursinus, they played a game that went 114-101. Ithaca was a 92-77 result. My answer to you, my question to them will be at this point, uh, thank you, Jeff. Let me know I'm live on the main two. Um, uh, it, it seems like they're playing with fire. Uh, they're in the number five hole. Uh, we'll see if they stay. MIT apparently may be dealing with more injuries, though they got past WPI by 30, which I think jumps out at a lot of people. WPI was receiving votes. 74-44 was the win by MIT. Um, I think the injury took place in the Coast Guard game, which they beat 169-54. Um so we have to make sure that MIT is healthy, and they always deal with injuries, and, and who knows why. Nebraska Wesleyan dealing with two of their st- starting five out, defeated Loris 89-71 by 18 over the 20, 20th rank. I think a lot of people thought Loris would give them a game. I don't think they saw anybody saw an 18-point shellacking coming, and I don't know if shellacking is the right word there in any way, shape, or form, but it's the one I used. Williams is still undefeated. Uh, they certainly look a little bit more in control, though Wesleyan – Seemed to give them a little bit more of a game. Moravian most certainly gave them a game, 81-72 at the end of December. Augustana, we talked about. They defeated center, as we said, 90-64. to Whitman, what do you say about them? They've scored four straight games of 100 or more points. Uh, defeated Illinois Wesley 101-82. Uh, I'm sorry, 105-103. They defeated Alma 101-82. They defeated Cal Lutheran 104-56 and Lewis and Clark 117-52. So the top seven, really not much to talk about. But then the losses start coming. Marietta lost to Elmhurst, 76-72, before barely getting past Lake Forest or Heidelberg. The last three games have been anything but what Marietta has played prior to those three games in the sense of dominating teams. They certainly didn't do it there, including that loss. Whitworth at least got out unscathed, but we saw them take on Johns Hopkins, and Johns Hopkins nearly beat them. Uh, We'll talk a little more about that down the road. Emory and Henry came back to nearly beat Whitworth in the only game on day four, the D3Hoops.com Classic. And then Whitworth got past Lewis and Clark by just 12, comparing it to Whitman. That's a significant difference. 
Whitewater, who's number 10, lost two this week. They lost to Stevens Point, which I'm not that surprised about. I have Stevens Point higher ranked. But they also lost to Eau Claire, 69-65. Wittenberg lost to, to, to Denison. Plattsburgh State lost to Wesleyan. They're now 9-2. They'll got past Case Western Reserve after that. Worcester lost three in a row, including to Whitman and Solraw State, before finally defeating Ohio Wesleyan, then got past New Jersey City, and then got past DePaul. Worcester may be good, but they hadn't lost three in a row since Steve Moore took over the program, and that was back 30 years ago. I wasn't covering Division Three the last time Worcester lost three in a row. They're 10-3. and three. I think voters will certainly do a double-check on that. Randolph-Macon lost to Guilford yesterday, 64-63, after barely getting past Virginia Wesleyan earlier in the week. Nichols lost two of their four. They lost to Salisbury, 78-71, and now we got to certainly start talking more seriously about Salisbury, though we'll get up to them in a minute. They also lost to Gordon, 76-72. Not what I expected out of Nichols. I figured maybe one of those four could be a loss. Salisbury, if, it's, if Salisbury is as good as maybe they're advertised, that could be a loss, but not Gordon. Christopher Newport lost to Mary Washington. That's a Mary Washington squad that lost to Frostburg State in the previous game. And then Loris had a rough week. Not only did they lose the number one Nebraska Wesleyan, they lost the number 10 Wisconsin Whitewater out of the five games that they played between the last time the poll was released and had a tough game against Blackburn. Wabash, they lost to Hiram. I'm, yes, to Hiram. Or hold on. No, no, Wilmington. I'm sorry, 83-80. Wilmington. Salisbury, we talked about the great win over a 16th-ranked Nichols. And by the way, they shellacked Springfield 82-63. Well, they also had lost to Rowan 97-76. If you listen to any of the D3Hoops.com classic conversations, you'll hear Chuck McBreen speak pretty highly about Rowan, that maybe they're better than people realize. Swarthmore got through the week unscathed, include or through the difference in the rankings, including a battle with Middlebury 82-80 at Swarthmore. Middlebury's loss to Swarthmore was not their only. Wesleyan defeated them this weekend, 80-77. And then Scranton lost to Elizabethtown, 67-64. This is a Scranton squad that was leading by eight with a little over uh, half of, uh, a little less than half of the time left in the first half. Elizabethtown goes on something like a, a 24-13 or 34-13 run, I can't remember, to close out the half and take the lead. Scranton does not lead the entire second half, ties it up late in the contest with about a minute left, misses a shot with four seconds left, and Elizabethtown goes the length of the floor off the rebound and hits a 35-foot running three-pointer for the win. Hats off to Elizabethtown. But Scranton was already in trouble going into that. They had barely gotten past, really could honestly say, barely got past um, TCNJ 82-79, though that's not a bad result. TCNJ is pretty bit, pretty good. But then Wilkes, they got passed by 10. They had a battle with Kings, who'd only won two or three games so far at that point, 75-72. Barely got past Gettysburg, 71-59, and then finally lost to Elizabethtown. Scranton may also be dealing with some injuries. And if you go into the receiving votes category, it's a ton. Again, Illinois Wesleyan, who finally got past North Park on Saturday, 97-49, had lost to Stevens Point and Whitman prior to that. You go to WPI, ugh, remember they were undefeated? Well, no longer. They lost four games. Maryville, DePaul, MIT, and Babson over the break. Oswego, remember they were undefeated? No, nope, not anymore. Lost to Emory, 91-73, and Denison, 61-50. North Central, again, we saw them out in Vegas. 
They defeated Husson 93-51, but then lost to Ohio Northern 63-61 in a game they shouldn't have lost. And then lost to Augustana before getting past Elmhurst. Johns Hopkins, they may be the best 0-2 team I have seen in Vegas, and that's that's better than the Ramapo squad I saw last year in Vegas who went on to the Final Four, and I thought Ramapo was darn good. Ramapo did not look good in Vegas last year. Hopkins looked darn good. They defeated Platt, or they lost to Platteville in overtime, 75-70. Could have won it. They had uh, their Vila on the line to shoot three at, near the end of the first half. He only made two of three. We'll get back to that in a minute. He'd only missed one coming into the into the weekend from the free throw line. They then lost to Whitworth, 76-74. Again, left some points on the free throw line. Vila was playing 30 minutes. He normally doesn't. Their other big guy inside, O'Neal, was out or had played sparing minutes because he had been sick coming in. So it's amazing sometimes how a little bit of an illness can have a huge effect. Vila played well. It just looked like maybe he got tired at the end and couldn't hit the free throws, couldn't get that energy to hit the, hit the shots. If he had, they'd probably beat Platteville. And by the way, Platteville did not impress. I was surprised by Platteville. I thought they would be better. And they nearly took Whitworth out, and Whitworth played very well in that game. Hopkins is a good team, and I am stuck now at 8-4 and four of debating whether I put Hopkins in my top 25 because they are a top 25 team, and... They lost their main point guard in Delaney coming into the Classic. Insane how good Hopkins is. Wheaton lost to Illinois Tech, which jumped off the page before beating Carthage and Carroll. Montclair lost to both Williams. Okay. Beat Virginia Wesleyan and then lost to Rowan. Remember when I mentioned Rowan? Keep an eye on Rowan. They seem to be pretty darn good. I realize some of you may be chatting with us. I'll get to you in a minute. Montclair lost to Capital. Could Capital be good? Wartburg lost to Bethel out of the four games that they played. New Jersey City had a great game against Worcester, but let it get away. New Jersey City is now 10-4, and four, heading into conference action. They got past Stockton 79-67, and a quick aside, congratulations to the New Jersey City women's team who hadn't played beaten Stockton in forever. Got a win over them. But on the men's side, New Jersey City's got four losses heading into conference, the real bulk of the conference action now. New Jersey City may have put themselves in a little bit of a hole here with already four losses. Center, who we'll talk about to, had, uh, what, six games? Augustana, Blackburn, Washington Lee, TCNJ, Rhodes, and Hendricks. And they went four and two in that run. And then a little note, Occidental stays undefeated. They really haven't played anybody. But we'll keep an eye on Occidental. Beat Principia, uh, Pacific, Santa Cruz, Chapman, and Caltech. By the way, there's also women. And I'll, we'll cover on who lost because there were a ton of losses on the women's side too. But here's what I'm going to say that we're going to be talking about. Who's number one? Thomas Moore has now wrapped up its bulk of Division Three games. It's got five games between now and the end of February. <laughs> it's just insane. They're already 21-0. They're already 21-0. And by the way, those five games include my assumption that they will play both games in the ACAA tournament. They defeated Texas. I'm sorry. They got one more game tomorrow in Division Three. One more game in tomorrow in Division Three. I forgot that they have one more game tomorrow. Um, they'll t- play East Texas Baptist. They played Texas Dallas yesterday and barely got past them, 78-75. Does that result cause voters to maybe not give Thomas Moore the edge? 
while Bowden, on the other hand, faced number four Tufts and beat him 82-63 the second half and especially the fourth quarter, absolutely steamrolled Tufts. So the question is, who's the number one team in the country? Thomas Moore nearly took it the last vote out. Now we've got a ton of results to look at, which includes Thomas Moore beating Wesleyan, Cal Lutheran, Franklin DePaul, number one in the country, Center, Pikesville, Lindsey Wilson, Texas, Dallas, East Texas Baptist won't count in this vote. And then you got Bowden who beat Wheaton, Maine Maritime, Bates, and Tufts. So Bowden's got one significant win. Thomas Moore's got a bunch on their resume, but barely got past Texas Dallas. It's crazy. And we'll still talk about all the results in the women because there's a whole mess of losses on the women's side, including number three team, the number four team, the number five team, the number 18, 9, 11, 14, 16, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and 25 all lost. We're used to that on the men's side. We are seeing more parity on the women's side this year than we've ever seen, even though the top is diabolically good. Andrew asks, hope guys are doing okay and the hope girls had a big loss to Trine. Yes, they did. And Trine, who also lost. Trine lost to Transylvania before coming back to beat Hope 73-61. By the way, I've got a comment about uh, another game of Trines later in the show. How about the Calvin guys losing? I'm not surprised the Calvin guys lost, though that was a crazy loss to Alma. Calvin's men have just not returned to form. Uh, I think Coach Vanderstreek's a year or two away from having that program right back where he wants it. I'll freely admit, maybe time being on the committee didn't help Kevin. He, he really took a lot of time to do it right, especially his chair, and sometimes that backfires on you, and maybe it backfired on him. Some coaches are able to manage it. Some don't realize. Who knows? I mean, the problem with Kevin Vanderstreek is he has no assistants that are full-time. And so being a committee member plus chair – plus coach, plus teacher, and everything else, I think it, it takes its toll. And if Calvin is starting to turn the corner, I just wish they would do it with Kevin and not have him grandfathered in. They're starting to turn the corner that coaches are teaching less. They realize that coaching is more important. Vandestreek is still of the old guard, and they haven't really changed that rule. I'd like to see them change that rule. So there you go. Um Someone asked, who, did someone ask, oh, what is your shirt? Andrew Tice did, and thank you. Those who chimed in, I'm wearing a UW-Wisconsin-Eau Claire shirt. You'll learn more later in the show, trust me. <laughs> That's called a hint, folks. Ryan Semp says, how do you guys think the WIAC matches up against other solid teams in the nation? Looks like the WIAC will be a strong conference that's going to beat each other up. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan, I'll, I'll look at it two ways. One, we've said already on this show this season that the WIAC is probably hands down the best conference in the country this year. It is top to bottom the best team. I think the bottom of the WIAC is as good as the middle of almost every other conference out there. They are going to beat each other up. I think that's going to be a problem. I still think they'll get their rec requisite teams in, as many as maybe three, four maybe pushing it because there's going to be probably too many losses. But I think the WIAC is good. The problem is we it's hard to gauge who's good. I think Stevens Point may be the class of that conference, but Oshkosh is also the class of that conference. And then Whitewater, I think, is playing second fiddle, and I think they went too high at number 10 in the polls. That said, they're going to be a nuisance. Whitewater is going to be a problem. Eau Claire is going to be a problem. Um, they're, they're, almost every single team in that conference, I'd say seven of them, are going to be a problem. They're going to be tough. The bottom three are still going to be difficult. Platteville is good. They're not great. I thought they were better than they were. They aren't. They simply aren't. But they're going to be a problem. 
Um, and yeah, I think I think they're as good as any other conference out there. The CCIW being number two in that league in that list, it's going to be fun to watch. But it's also going to be an absolute bloodbath to be to be honest. Thoughts on Emory and Henry women's team going forward after a 20-point win over Christopher Newport. Impressive. Christopher Newport also lost to Mary Washington. I don't know if I can put stock in that win over CNU. CNU, remember, is not the same team we've seen the last few years. They're kind of retooling a little bit. I like Emory and Henry women. They've shown that they can be good, a little inconsistent, but I like them. Uh, I just don't know how much stock you can put in that win against CNU now because CNU then went and lost to Mary Washington. Uh, Mary Washington team, to be honest, is not that good and lost to Frostburg State just before that game as well. So that's kind of it. We are running a little bit behind. I want to get going. We got our first guest up. It's uh, Andy Yasinoff, the head coach at Emmanuel. Hats off to him because uh, the uh, the man is now the winningest coach in Division Three women's basketball. That is saying something, to say the least. I want to talk to him and get you to hear from him. He's a he's a gem of a coach. Been in coaching 42 seasons now. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. When we come back, Andy Yasinoff, the winningest coach all time in Division Three women's basketball, joins us to talk about that, his program, and more. Back with more after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We 
we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening, January 6th. I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. I'll mention it now. Uh, I am a Baltimore Ravens and Chicago Bears fan, as some of you may know. Uh, I've pre-recorded or recorded both games um, because I had too much work to do. I've already watched the Ravens game. We can move on, okay? Let's move on. The Bears game I have not watched a lick of. I have turned off all alerts on it. So if you dare mention it during this show, you will be banned. I do not want to know what's going on in that game. Joining us now uh, is probably the winningest coach. Well, not probably. He is the winningest coach in Division Three forever. Last time we had him on, I think it was last season, we basically made a mental check. We will have you on, sir. We will have you on next year because you're going to pass Mike Strong and be the winningest coach in Division Three. I'll admit, I didn't think I saw would see this one coming. But here's what's remarkable. He's been coaching for 42 years or he's in his 42nd season, we should say. He's always had winning programs, but they don't get all the limelight all the time. Scranton certainly did under Mike Strong. But here's a comparison for you. G.P. Gromacki's at about 500 wins right now in his career. He needs to coach 14 more seasons and continue winning at 30 games a season to break the record that Andy Yasinov has set. That's how significant this is. It's pretty impressive. So we knew as the day was coming, we're getting it off and running right now. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the winningest coach in Division Three women's basketball history, Andy Yasinov from Emmanuel, who's 8-3 and three on the season. 816, Coach. That number has got to be pretty impressive, even by your definition of winning. It is. Uh, it was a pretty uh, memorial day on... Uh, yeah, we you know we won the you know we won the age 16 in Fort Lauderdale, and um, it was a culmination of uh, many many years of uh, a lot of great players, and uh, it was a pretty happy day. Yeah, got the win over Rampo 68-58 back on uh, December 30th in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, two losses earlier in the season, interesting enough, against Amherst in one of them, and MIT in another, kept you from being able to maybe do this closer to home, as it were. Is that a little bittersweet that you guys were in Florida, or did it not matter to you? Well, it would it would it would have been nice to if it happened in Boston, but um, luckily I had uh, some former players and a lot of friends in uh, Fort Lauderdale, so it, it still was a it still was a very enjoyable moment. I'm sure it was. Looked like they had a cake ready for you, just in case. Um, <laughs> 816 wins over 42 years. You're winning at a, it'll pop up on the graphic here in a bit for the fans watching at home. You've got a 74, 76% winning percentage. You, I don't know a season. I, I'm looking literally since 2006, seven, there's only two seasons. You didn't win 20 games. Um, certainly part of this is because of the conference, but you've, you've developed such a consistent program that it's never that you're not winning. How difficult was it to get to that point and then keep that ability of, of a winning program steady? 
But it's been, you know, very difficult because, you know, when I started back in the late 70s um, and then, you know, in the 80s, uh, you know, I think uh, recruiting was uh, on a much smaller scale um, and it was, you know, a lot easier to, you know, to keep keep winning. But and then, uh, you know, over the last 20 years, especially, everyone is going to all the big tournaments. Everyone's recruiting. So it's it's been much more difficult to keep it going, but you know you got to keep working, and uh, you know, and uh, luckily you know we're in a great location in Boston, and uh, so people are attracted to uh, coming to Boston. Yeah, Boston doesn't hurt <laughs> to say the <laughs> least, and there's a lot of schools around there. Again, you've you've developed a a, a, a program that is always going to win to some degree, and so. You know, not not having a chance at this record may seem to some like, you know, obvious. But my question is, did you ever think you could get to the point to pass Mike Strong or to to have over 800 wins for for that matter or ever over 700? At what point did you think this was even a, a reality or what point did you let it become a reality? Well, I, I you know, when I started coaching back in that, the blizzard of 78, I had no conception First of all, I, never, I had never coached women before, and uh, I never in my wildest dream, well, I never even thought about it. I mean, it's just, uh, it's amazing what happened. And as I, I told you earlier today, uh, it was just a fantastic uh, couple of days. Uh, day after uh, I broke the record, I actually had dinner with Mike Strong at my hotel in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, which made it even you know, we've been friends for the last 37 years, so it's it uh, it was it was a great night, you know, hanging out with Mike and his wife, and uh, I, I no I I really never haven't thought much about you know breaking any any records and breaking any wins. And I'm just uh, I'm much more interested in winning uh, the Great Northeast <laughs> Athletic Conference Championship tonight. But, uh, but I've, uh, you know, I've been blessed, and uh, you know, obviously I'm very happy about it. You mentioned it there. Uh, you had dinner with Mike Strong and his, and his wife. I found it remarkable when you told me earlier that you two have been friends. I'm not surprised you're friends. I'm surprised you've been friends for 37 years, which means most of your coaching life. Have you at any point started saying to Mike, hey, you, you know I'm going to catch and break your record, right? Uh, well, maybe about... Maybe a couple of months ago, I, you know, we we talked about it, but but I, you know, no, I, I never really, I didn't, even want, I, I didn't even want to talk about it. I never talked about my team, and when it happened, it happened. But uh, no, I didn't, I really didn't talk about it. I know, you know, it was in, it was in the back of my mind. And I was, I'm glad that, that it's finally over with, but it, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm happy it's over with. Um, good. You got against Ramapoke because unfortunately the next day on New Year's Eve you lost to Messiah in a good battle, seventy-one sixty-six. I'll get back to some of that in a minute. But are you glad now this is over? the The spotlight isn't gone necessarily, but the reason for the spotlight is has been accomplished. It can you, you took it off your shoulders now. You can focus on the rest of the year. I'm definitely glad it's over because you know, as I just did a few minutes ago. You know, my, my you know my real goal is really to, to uh, get back to win the GNAC, which is going to be very difficult with the way St. Joe's is playing, right? St. Joe's yeah. is playing, but you know I'm glad it's over with, and I'm 
I'm I'm more much more focused on uh, on uh, finishing the season. You know, in a, hopefully in a championship way. You talk about the conference. Let's let's talk about your team here. Messiah game seventy one sixty six. That that stands out to me because Messiah is a pretty good squad this season, and yet you went toe for toe with them. We'll we'll skip the Amherst game because let's be honest, it's Amherst. You know that um, only one team's been able to figure out their their equation so far this season, and you have a close loss to MIT. Me reading between the lines, this isn't in a normal 20-plus win season for the Saints. This feels like a really good squad you've got uh, on the court I, I, right now. I, I, honestly, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, both the MIT and the Messiah uh, game, uh, we, we shot awful from the foul line. Okay. You know, we were like 23 out of 52. Um, now, in the Messiah game, we were right with them the entire game. We came back from down 14. We tied the game, and then... Uh, Unfortunately, there was a couple of uh, unfortunate. Uh, we did not. Uh, we sort of forgot to put that uh, <laughs> that uh, that circle near the basket, and it was in high school gym, and uh, we lost a couple of baskets there. But mm-hmm. um, Messiah has a great team, but we're no. I I really and I couple. I had a couple starters out. I think. Um, Potentially, this team can uh, do great things. One of those starters out was Maddie McLaughlin. She's one of four players on this team, uh, averaging double figures. And actually, one of them we should mention is also uh, Diaz DiGastino. Apologize, a freshman. So really, she's only played in two games. So three players in double figures. Yeah, yeah. And Maddie's one of yeah. them, led yeah. by a junior in Ramirez Tejada. Uh, Tejada, I should say, and the Weaver is the other one, a junior as well. That's the scary part. Besides McLaughlin, you got two juniors leading the way here. This is a deep team in terms of, of, of scoring. It's also got a lot of youth on this team, and they're playing well now. Yeah, we only have five returning players from last year's team. Um, the chemistry is phenomenal. Uh, we have like eight new players. Um, honestly, the potential here is uh, you know, we, we have a lot of potential to, uh, um, to really go, I think, far in the, you know, a long ways. And um, I'm very excited about what you know what's going to happen in the next six weeks. Yeah, really impressed with what this team's doing. But let's talk about what's ahead because let's start with the conference. You mentioned St. Joe's of Maine has been a darn good team. They're at twelve and zero on the season. Interesting enough, Albertus Magnus also off to a twelve and one start. They've caught my eye a little bit. This GNAC used to be, let's be honest, I don't want to say easy, but you guys were on top, and there really wasn't anybody else. St. Joseph's emerged the last few years. Now you got Albertus Magnus, who's trying to make things a little bit more interesting. This conference at the top in women's basketball has gotten a little more fascinating. Yeah, uh, the conference has got much, much stronger. Um, you know, obviously St. Joe's got you know, four seniors that have been there for four years, starters. Um, and, you know, and Albertus uh, has a couple, uh, you know, big time transfers in there. Only lost one game, and Suffolk is. He's doing very, very well. This conference, and we brought in Kobe Sawyer. Mm-hmm. This conference is going to another level. A lot of times, we have not got the respect. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes that we deserve. Uh, but right now, uh, the conference is uh, much stronger than it's ever been. Can you win it, or is it, or is this too hard to determine here at the beginning of January when you're really just getting <laughs> into the bulk of it? Uh, we definitely can win it, but it's going to be very difficult. We have to, you know. We have to beat Suffolk, we have to beat Albertus, and then we have to go up to uh, St. Joe's and February uh, mm-hmm. 5th, and uh, we, have, we have to beat them. I mean, it's, it's going to be very difficult, 
but we can do it. I did notice you got a quirk in your schedule. I, I'd, I'd ask for my refund back, um, or my money back as a refund, because on February 5th, you're at St. Joseph's of Maine. Uh, then February 9th, you're at St. Joseph's of Connecticut. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's the fairest way to, to hand out the St. Joseph's on a, on one schedule. <laughs> Are you going to stay home at all during that stretch? Uh, I, we're going to stay home. I mean, uh, <laughs> as you know, Jim, you know, Jim Calhoun is with the, on the men's team, so right. I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting deal. Yeah, They're both St. Joe's and within four days of each other. Yeah, definitely a lot of of bus miles, to say the least. Let's go back to the record. I, I I'd be probably nuts to ask you if one win stood out amongst any of those eight hundred and sixteen so far. But does any, what does stand out about the career yeah, so uh, far? No, I, I I would say there there is one win. Uh, back in two thousand one, the the, uh, the you know the day you know the year that we made the final four. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we had, um, you know, uh, we did not, our gym was at, at the time, our gym was not regulation. Right. Um, our gym right now is phenomenal, but at back <laughs> in the day it was not. And, um, we had the opportunity to, uh, to go to NYU at the time they were number one in the country yeah. and we played them in the national quarterfinals, um, I've, you know, most people thought that NYU was going to move on, and it was a, probably a, if, there's, if there's one game in my whole title t- entire career, that was the game we beat. We beat NYU in overtime, uh, and if there was one game in my career that was the, probably the most exciting, that was the victory. Yeah, I could see that one standing out for sure. Uh, makes sense. Something that I caught on from talking to you earlier today was I don't get the sense that now that you've hit this mark that you plan on on hanging up the clipboard or the whistle anytime soon. You're in your 42nd season, and I have a feeling we might be talking to you in your 45th. Um, I I feel great. I'm healthy. Um, you know I love what I do. I live 10 minutes away. <laughs> Emmanuel is a great place. The coach and to work. Everyone, you know, the school is hot, um, and I'm I'm gonna I want to keep coaching as long as I feel healthy, and as long as I feel like I'm doing a good job. And um, right this moment, um, I can't tell you when when I'm gonna give up. Now, right I- now. I don't. I don't. I want to keep going as long as I can. I love that news. I'd love to see you. I'd love to see you try and get to 900. But that's just me selfishly saying that. Uh, it's pretty impressive. You got to eight sixteen. You did meet with Mike Strong. What did Mike tell you, or what did Mike say to you about about the accomplishment? Well, Mike and I have a unique relationship. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I've told him numerous times. You know, I, I might have beat, beaten his record, but he he accomplished so so much. He was mm-hmm. such a great coach. Um, we just, we just, we all just, uh, you know, it was just an unbelievable evening. You know, we stayed at our hotel, and we stayed with him and his wife, and it just, we have so much respect for each other. Um, it was just an incredible night, you know, having some some Italian food and, um, and a little, little red wine, and it was just, <laughs> it was an incredible night that him and, you know, Mike and I could enjoy. Between the two of us, I think we've won uh, only uh Sixteen hundred thirty-one games. <laughs> it, it was. It was pretty. It's pretty wild. Yeah. He's just 
such a great guy. If we start doing that math, that's a pretty insane number, to say the least. Uh, I think it's awesome he came down to Florida. Uh, actually, I don't even know where he's residing nowadays, but I know he's somewhat been up in the new in the Mid Atlantic for a while. But it's great that he came down to see that and shows you the respect that he has for you as well. By the way, I love the fact you guys play at Gene Yonke Center. Talk about a downright old-fashioned Boston uh, name to a place. If you can name your place Yonke Center, you're doing well by any stretch of the imagination. Even though the, the coach, which is me, <laughs> is, a, is an added Yankee fan. Oh, uh, I, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, people, people were three blocks from Fenway Park, uh, so people, people are not too happy that I'm a Yankee fan. And also, do not forget, I'm a New York football giant fan. Well, I'm sorry for that, sir. I really am. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Had, we, had, we had a tough year. Yes. You've had a couple tough years. Let's, let's be honest. Um, hey, you know what? I just wonder if you have the, do you have the guts to wear a Yankees jersey into work ever? Or do you keep that at home? No, uh, I'm, I'm everyone in Boston knows I'm a Yankee fan. You don't need to and show I it. Would, and I, I would wear wherever I went. And uh, uh, I'm going to predict right now, Yankees will win the World Series oh, next year. Oh, he's putting it on the line, folks. Yankees win World Series next year. Well, you know what, to be honest with you, you that's about as safe a bet in baseball as you can possibly make. <laughs> Sir, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Congratulations on 816 and what will be Thank many you. more after this, we know. Uh, appreciate it. As always, we give the coach or the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, I just want to tell everyone I've had a, you know, a tremendous uh, experience over the last 42 years at Emmanuel College. I love the school. The school has been phenomenal to all my players and my players the reason I have, you know, all these victories, they've been, it's a, we built a tremendous family at Emmanuel, and um, I'm so happy that I've had so many players have so much success off the court in, in, their, uh, in their lives after Emmanuel. Well said, sir. Congratulations. You've made an impact on many others, including those 816 victories, but uh, even the losses have had an impact, and we appreciate the time you took to join us. Good Thank luck you. the rest of the season. I have a feeling we'll be talking to you somewhere down the road, and uh, enjoy it as much as you can. Thank you very much. Have a great New Year's. Happy New Year. You too, Andy. Bye Take bye. care. Andy Yasinoff joining us here from Emmanuel. Again, win number 816 coming against Ramapo back on December 30th. Unfortunately, lost to Messiah. They actually have Mass Boston coming up a non-conference play here on the 8th, which is two days away. Uh, that game is intriguing because Mass Boston is 10-3. and three. It's a game worth looking into. Then they get into conference action with Regis and, and Anna Maria next weekend. Uh, that's a split. They're at home against Regis, then on the road against Anna Maria. Watch the GNAC women. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm looking forward to it myself. I think that's that's a race that's going to be intriguing in the Northeast, to say the least. But hats off, 816 wins. That is just a mind-blowing number. And again, G.P. Mackey is just a little over 500. He's going to need about 14 seasons here. At least that's what the math I did to get past um, to get past Andy, just if Andy doesn't add any more wins. That's how difficult that's going to be. By the way, uh, Andy and GP have a personal relationship. I love the tightness of a lot of coaches up there, and, and, and Andy's certainly the dean, not only in New England, but of all of Division Three women's basketball. Take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go to men's basketball. We'll head down and talk to Center in Kentucky about the Colonels. Yeah, kind of too easy, right? Kentucky, Colonels. 
We'll talk to Greg Mason coming up about his squad. How good are they? Oh, our luck has run out. Looks like we already lost our system. I think I now know one of the gremlins, and it's one of our particular breaks. So I'm going to avoid that break probably at all costs tonight. Um, we're going to have to revamp that one. In the meantime, we will take a break that will only require me to restart the system. I now know where the gremlin is. Literally all the testing we've done, we've now figured out where this gremlin is, and I now know where to kill it. We will kill it someday. We're going to take another break. When we come back, Hoopsville comes back, and we'll talk men's basketball with Greg Mason. Apologize for all you listening on the simulcast. We will get restarted shortly. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry for that. I think we found our gremlin. We're going to stay away from break number two for the rest of the evening, and hopefully everything will hold tight, and we will fix that in the uh, off-air. Again, thought we had a problem solved. I think we finally figured it out. It's always right around when we try to run that break. Hopefully it will hold as we get closer to break three here. Knock on wood. Uh, apologize. We're back on across the board and all our, our uh, platforms. We hope you will at least uh, try and uh, join us again. Um, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on on. Uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, that's how you get a hold of us, and that's how we keep this conversation rolling along. Another team that's off to a hot start, but I have a lot of questions about, would be the center colonels. Greg Mason's squad is 12-2 and overall, 3-0 and in conference action after wins at home against Rhodes and Hendricks this weekend, including today. They beat Rhodes 68-61, defeated Hendricks 72-56 today. You got Oglethorpe and Barry as they hit the road for the next, geez, four games. We'll have Millsaps and Birmingham Southern on the other side. A lot of questions about the Colonels, a lot of questions about the SAA, a lot of figuring it out to do, as it were. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Mason of Greg. Sir, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, hey uh, Dave, always great to speak with you, my man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, as always. Uh, we don't talk as much as I think we used to, which is par for the course sometimes with programs, but you guys seem to be kind of in the fray, as it were. So you're 12-2, and two, look pretty good, but we got a, a, a slobber knocker with Augustana that we probably need to also figure out, and that's where I sit there with questions. I don't know what to make of the Colonels this season. What do you make of your own squad this season? Well, Dave, we're off to a really good start, 12-2, uh, and two, and I apologize for my voice. We just, As you said, we just played today, and I got my Tom Izzo voice going on right now. <laughs> but uh, off to a 12-2 and two start, have some good wins. Uh, we matched our best start in school history um, and uh, started off 8-0, a lot of good wins. And uh, then we met this team named Augustana, which I know we're going to talk about as well. Uh, but, uh, hey, two good resume wins for us. Uh, and uh, we beat Swanee at home. Swanee is 13-1. and one. Uh, really good team, and then uh, about about ten days ago, we beat Washington and Lee uh, at Washington and Lee, and and uh, Chris has a really good team down there, you know, a top fifty caliber team. So um, I think we got a good team, and you know how good uh, we're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks. You, you hit to the two that I, I that besides Augustana that jumped out of me. The, you did have that win against WNL, and WNL's gotten some right. solid wins this season as well. Um, you also, Aswani looks like it's been a good team this year. You've got the win over TCNJ, or not a win, but a loss, a close loss to TCNJ. And sometimes I put just as much stock in a loss as I do a win. You seem to have the pieces there, but let's be honest, Greg, you and I have talked it about this juncture of a season as well, and then we don't talk again. What's Is this team different than in the past five seasons let's say and 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 we're going to continue talking about the colonels or do you guys still have a little bit of a learning curve here 
I sure hope so. I, I would love to speak with you as much as possible. I always enjoyed it. And, and what I'll tell you, Dave, is uh, we, we had some, we've had some really, really good teams. I mean, the late 2000, you know, seven, eight, and nine, those teams were, were special. Uh, it'd be hard to get to that level again. We're going to try. 13, 14, 15 were really, really good. And then, Dave, we got really young. Mm. Uh, we had a couple of recruiting classes for the reasons, you know, things didn't always work out. And, uh, and then all of a sudden we looked up, and in 2016 we were all freshmen. And it's just hard to, hard to do that at this level. Uh, the one-and-done model does not work in Division Three. No. And uh, so we were, we were really, really young. And now these kids are juniors and seniors. Uh, we've probably won two or three games this year, last possession, that we could not have won two years ago. So uh, it, it's a talented team. Uh, we are not playing our best basketball just yet, or that's what we're, we're counting on. Uh, and every day we just need to come to practice, get a little bit better. But, you know, I, I remember Jay Wright saying, and I guess it was 2016 when he won it, that he didn't really know how good his team was until late January. Yeah. Now, now, I'm not saying we're national championship good, but how good we are. Sure. Uh, still a little bit to be, to, to, to be determined. So we're yeah. going to have to see you know, how much better we get. Let's talk about the Augustana game. Let's get that one out of the way, maybe. Um, <laughs> at home, you got Gray to come to your place. Um, actually, actually, Dave, it was, it was in Rhodes. Oh, you're right. I'm was, sorry. Yep. Yeah, it was a tournament at Rhodes in Memphis. Yep, our schedule sometimes doesn't love to give all those details away. Um, it was at Rhodes. 90-64 uh, to 64 was, the, was the result. It, certainly, listen, you came in undefeated at the time. I think a lot of people had eyes on you. I, I suspect as a head coach you knew – even if it's a close loss, it's a statement game for you. 90-64 is probably the worst outcome you expected, and, and what, what happened? I mean, what, what was yeah. the, the genesis of all of that, as it were? Yeah, and Dave, let me say this. Uh, in all of my time in Division Three basketball, and I'm, I'm approaching 25 years, player, coach, and everything, uh, I've always confidently said that Worcester 2007 was the best I've ever seen in person. Uh, those, t- that, that, those guys played us in the, I think, second round NCAA tournament. Uh, well, Dave, 2019, Augustana is right there. Uh, huge, you know, 6'11", 6'9", at the five spot. They're four-man, 6'6". Uh, they're skilled, uh, well-coached, and Oh, by the way, they have an All-American point guard. So we played as hard as we possibly can, and maybe the best we've played all year long for about the first 27 minutes. Uh, and at the 13-minute mark, I think we're down five, and we're right there. We're battling with them, uh, and then they just hit another gear and, and just left us. Uh, they shot 81% in the second half, and I want to say they were 8 of 9 from three-point. And when Augustana goes 8 of 9 from three-point, yeah. nobody in the country is going to touch them. And, and, and I'm saying you know, they could probably beat some division. One teams where they played against us that day, so it was one ninety to sixty four. It was it was a closer game than that. I think they were they were a good twelve fifteen points better than us that day, uh, and they just were so hot and there was just nothing. They they devastated us in the last thirteen minutes of the game. Like I said, Gray has a team that can definitely win a national title. Sure, yeah, we'll be talking to Gray after this. Not that that was intended, but it happened to work out. Yeah. Uh, they're you, really good, really really good. Well, you so. got the victory the next day over Blackburn, so you at least forgot yeah. about it. Came back one eighty six seventy two because those kinds of games can be the ones that can un, unscrew a team for a few days, a few weeks. Right. So what was the message out of that game, though? Because sometimes it's about the message more than it is about the result. Yeah, good question, Dave. And the fact that we talked about that, and me as a coach, you know, being around and seeing, you know, so many good teams in the NCAA tournament, like I said, 2007 Worcester and some others, uh, some North Central teams, 
I kind of knew we were going into a little bit of a buzzsaw, and our team has been getting better. You know, 14 wins as freshmen, uh, 17 wins last year. Hopefully, we keep you know incrementally going up. And I knew, like you know, Perry Ayers, Jacob Bates, that, you know, guys that had not seen that level of play. I knew it was going to be a good test, and we saw what elite looked like, and we saw that we weren't quite there. Uh, so that, I mean, guys had a players meeting that night and said, "Hey, we need to do this better, this better, this better." Attention to detail. Uh, so it was a good learning experience for us. And then we came back and played really well against Blackburn. So I uh, felt good about that. Felt good about that. So all in all, other than the fact that you know it's it's a it's a tough loss from ninety to sixty four, it, it was a good learning experience for us. This is a squad that certainly got experience, um, but I don't think it jumps out to anybody. If that makes any sense. Um, you've got, what's one senior on the squad, a good handful mess of juniors. I'm sorry, two right. seniors on the squad. Um, a whole mess of juniors certainly help. Is this a young squad? Is this an experienced squad? It's an experienced squad. It's uh, We have some talented freshmen, uh, but only one is really getting an opportunity to see much time on the floor just because you know we have two seniors, Tucker Stein and Jared Griffin, who have been through a lot of battles and seen a lot of big games. We have a really good junior class uh, led by Perry Ayers, Jacob Bates, and Art Walker, and they've they've seen uh, they've seen tough games as well. So we're junior and senior dominated. So we are we're an experienced team, um, and, and and most nights we play pretty well. So what's what's going to be the key this year? What what can you go back to previous seasons where you guys had hot starts and say, "Hey, remember what happened here?" Or is it far enough back or enough into the memory banks, as it were, that it's not relevant? That this year is about this year, and it's about what you're doing now. Yeah, and, and I would say typically yes, but this group has, has actually none of these guys were part of any of the uh, conference tournament titles we've had recently. Sure. Now we won the regular season last year, so Tucker right. and Jared uh, have not played in that championship game just yet. Uh, so it's all new experience for them. And, you know, let's be honest, Dave, today's uh, generation is a little bit more about the here and now. So I don't <laughs> that know, is true. I don't know if three or four years uh, would, would make that much of a difference. But it, it's, it's a new group. Uh, it's, we have talent. We have athletic talent. Uh, and on nights that we shoot the ball well, like we did at W and L, eleven for sixteen from three point, we can play yeah. with about anybody in the country uh, outside the top ten. And I've told the guys that you know, obviously, right now we have proven we're not at the level at an Augustana, uh, probably not the level of Williams, Amherst. But let's keep working, and maybe we can mm-hmm. get there by the end of the year. You're shooting forty six percent from the floor, thirty four percent from beyond the arc, seventy three percent from the line. You're out rebounding your opponents by about three. You're holding on to the ball uh, and handing it out at, at a good at a good clip. Um, all of those are certainly keys. You've got three guys, really four guys in double figures, and Jacob Bates at at thirteen, Perry Ayers uh, at about twelve, Tucker Sign at, at eleven, and just under ten for Art Walker. All of those numbers on the stat sheet, you look at and go, "Oh, okay, that's not too bad." But what is what did what about this team? Do we not know by looking at the stat sheet? What 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 is it that's making it click? Yeah, it, well, sharing the ball, and we did a really okay. good job today in the second half. Uh, you know, as you said, we have our leading scorers averaging 13 a game, uh, and then we have four guys like right there. Uh, so by the end of the year, you know, somebody's going to probably jump up and, and start averaging 15 points a game. So we have balance. And you know, if, if Jacob's not on one night, Perry, uh, Perry was really good today. Uh, so we we have balance. We're not relying on one guy. But it's something that we got. Uh, today, and I was pleased with this, we're starting to kind of get an, a little bit of an identity on the defensive end. Mm. Uh, our guys are realizing that we're a jump shooting team, and when the shots don't go in, and for five straight halves, we shot below 40%. Uh, and today, I, I could kind of start seeing the wheels turning. Hey, we've got to become a better mm. defensive team. And the guys did it. The guys did it. So we're, 
Yeah, I, I do think our better basketball, our best basketball is in front of us, and we just need to get we need to get on the practice floor and have some good practices and get ready for some tough games. Uh, you're outscoring your opponents by about six. You're only allowing about 66 points a game, but you're allowing 41% from the field, which mm-hmm. most coaches that will point to that as, as their big key number. All right, so the SAA, I, I hinted this at the beginning of the show. The SAA kind of reminds me of the landmark. Uh, in both conferences, kind of spun out of something else, or in Landmark's case, out of several something else's. Um, and I think a lot of people had high expectations. You know, you got a, some good squads being put together in this group. These squads should compete. They should, you know, they'll, they'll fill a, a niche, or as it were. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be a national conversation. No disrespect, but the SAA and Landmark haven't lived up to that line necessarily. And maybe it was partially the fault of people like myself who had too high an expectation. Is does it feel the same in the SAA that you guys haven't made your statement? You know, maybe a little bit of yeah. flash at the beginning, but the conference hasn't kind of risen to the occasion. Or are we just completely underappreciating what this conference is really about? No, Dave, I think you have a point, and I would say that if you spoke with all eight of our uh, league coaches, we'd all say the last two years we've admittedly been down, uh, all of us. Um, you know, it's it's been um, – I don't know whether it's a little bit, you know, sticker price, uh, schools, you sure. know, just a lot of different things come into it. But we have not been at the level of the old SEAC. Uh, and I'll tell you, a part of that, too, is the fact that we've all been so young uh, the last couple of years. And now this year it's much better. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of the teams in our conference, but we have seen uh, Swanee 13-1 and in mm-hmm. the Massey ratings. And, and, and sometimes Massey ratings tell you good stuff and sometimes not. But I like the have, second part of that. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah well, they have Swanee at 40 and us at 42. So that's that's showing that we're starting to get uh, a little bit of a, a better top uh, of the conference. And then you look, and Millsaps is 10 and 4. Yeah. Uh, Barry's 9 and 4. Mitch Cole is, is in there, you know, a really good coach uh, over the years. And so I think our league is starting to come up. And a big part of that is our players are starting to get to their junior and senior years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, with the last two years, Dave, I mean, it's been, it's, it's been as bad as it has ever been. But I think a big part of that is a lot of freshmen and sophomores in the league. So I think you're going to start seeing better play. Uh, and hopefully one or two of us get to the NCAA tournament and we start uh, making a little bit of noise because it's time to sure. do that. Six of the eight teams are above 500 right now. Uh, Oglethorpe at seven and seven overall. Uh, Hendricks at five and nine. Rhodes at three and eleven. So, obviously, as you said, it's it's a little different than the last couple of years. But you also hinted at that other thing. The NCAA is kind of where you make your flash. And this is where you right. kind of make the point. Um, I you know I know going to center is a fun place in the NCAA tournament um, <laughs> unless it's sleeting, uh, pouring sleet as it was yeah. on my particular occasion. <laughs> But it's a great gym. It's a great facility. The fans really get on board. How important would it be to not only be in the tournament, but to maybe be at home? Oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. We've had some great games in here. And our last NCAA tournament win was against LaGrange uh, here in 2014. And, um, yeah, our, our students, our president, John Roush, I mean, there's there'd be so much excitement on this campus. And our guys, they, they would love that, too. So uh, we talk about it, but we just have to we, – we need to make sure we're playing really, really good basketball from this point forward. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time to, to talk about the Colonels. Uh, I'm fascinated. Okay, we've we've got the jersey just hiding over my shoulder. Uh, yeah. If anybody's watching, we always Dave, appreciate that. And Dave, I have a great story for oh. you about that jersey. Go for it. So the the number twenty three jersey right over your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. The guy who wore that number for us is now a reality show TV star. How oh, about that one. 
Yeah, Trey Russell wore that jersey back, I want to say like around 2010, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Okay. He was he was on the show Married at First Sight. Okay. And now I'm sure absolutely none of our listeners follow that show, but my wife and all of her friends know about it. And uh, <laughs> Trey's a big deal. It's followed by over 25,000 people wow. on Twitter. That's, so that's impressive. That's, that's the story behind that jersey. I got a letter. I don't know who it was from. Um, it may have been just the person who who handles jerseys asking me what my what my number was. I played sports. I had a number, and the next thing I know, I had that thing uh, in in the uh, in the studio. Uh, it is one yeah. of just three that are framed. The reason for it to tell you a story is the Ohio Wesleyan women's twenty two is is framed because it was signed by. Um, uh, oh, of course, go and forget the one important name in Division Three women's basketball the last 10 years. She died of cancer, and so she signed. It was part of a fundraiser. We got oh, it. Damn. The Greenville one, number 25, is uh, because it was framed when it was given to us. <laughs> so okay. it stayed okay. framed. And then yours was framed because it was the first jersey that was sent to us. So we, we framed wow. it, and it's my number. So it's, it's wow. framed accordingly. So it is over my shoulder. I don't know if that's its permanent home. We keep playing with our backdrop, but we appreciate the... Uh, the, the, uh, the um, the decorations, as it were, uh, for the studio. Um, sir, Lauren Hill. Thank you, Jeff. I can't believe I forgot Lauren Hill's name. That is, We're off to a roaring start here in 2019. Um, Greg, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I mean, D3 basketball is amazing. Go out and watch a game, anybody yeah. who has not. Uh, I mean, the, the guys, Brad Stevens, Shaka Smart, Jeff Van Gundy, the list goes on and on. Yep. Uh, thanks for all you do, Dave, and giving us a great voice. Uh, I mean, your, your sites, everything like that. I mean, just it, it really helps schools like a center college. So thank, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. By the way, Jeff Van Gundy's jersey will be hanging in this studio sometime soon as well, believe nice. it or not. Yeah, how, well, not his actual jersey, but his number. Uh, Coach, thanks so much. Take care. Good luck in the SAA. Look forward to hopefully talking to you later in the season. You bet, Dave. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Greg Mason joining us here from the, on the Hoops Hill Hotline. Um, you know, again, I, I appreciate his frankness. You know, is this team for real? Is this conference for real? I think it's a question a lot of people have, and I appreciate his frankness on answering those questions. Going to take another break. When we come back, avoiding the magic break two button, when we come back, we will talk to men's basketball coach Gray Giovanni, who dispatched the Colonels rather easily uh, a few weeks ago. We'll talk to him about the, his squad and just how good they may be this season. They're darn good. You just heard Greg Mason talk about it. I'm interested to hear what he has, Greg Giovanni, to say about the team in Rock Island. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more right after this. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here uh, for the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Thanks to the tweet from Greg Mason saying, I'm the best. <laughs> Thank you for all you do. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Kind words from uh, Coach Mason there at center. Uh, good to hear from him. Uh, this is a warning to all of you uh, Illinois fans in the CCIW and elsewhere as we're about to talk to Augustana men's basketball coach Greg Giovanni. Once again, I am taping the Chicago Bears wildcard game. Okay, folks? Silence. Mum is the word. Doing pretty good. I have no clue what's going on in that game. I had to tape the Ravens game earlier, then watch that since I was prepping for hoops. So watch that while the Bears game then got started. Was disappointed in how the Baltimore game was, but not surprised. Not surprised, but uh, disappointed nonetheless. Then had to go back to focusing on hoops, having dinner with my family, etc. Again, it's on the DVR. And if anybody of you ruin it, I will ban you. I kid. Um, I just had to get that out of the way one more time. Um, once again, if you got questions, send them our way. Brennan asked this a while ago. He says, who do I think is the second-best team in the CCIW on the men's side? I don't know who the second-best team in the CCIW is on the men's side, to be blunt. I thought it was Illinois Wesleyan. There's times I've thought it was Wheaton, but Wheaton has frustrated me at times. North Central looked really good in Vegas. I saw, well, maybe they can surprise. Nope, they took a loss this week, too, that uh, I thought would be a better game than it turned out to be. Uh, by the way, they, they lost to Augustana, 76-59, including uh, Blaze Meredith hitting his head on the backboard. That is not worth points. I don't know who's second after Augustana, to be blunt. Maybe Greg Giovanni knows who's second on that list and can answer it for us. He joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. And, sir, thank you for taking the time and, and joining us here tonight. My pleasure, Dave. Good to connect with you. I'll just say, my Bears comment earlier about not watching the game. I mentioned that to Gray just to be safe because I had a bad feeling he might say something, and he started laughing. I don't know what it means. I just know that Gray's having way too much fun with this. 
than he should be. Uh, I just know that thanks to at least one result here, I don't have my ultimate fear in the Super Bowl, and that's my two teams facing off. Though, to all my Baltimore fans, I've been rooting on the Bears. Um, Gray, let's start with this one. Who is the second best team in the CCIW right now? Well, you're 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 being pretty presumptuous there. Uh, I'm not sure who the, the best team is. I know. I knew you were going to go that way. And I've got such tremendous respect for everybody. In the league. You know, we were going in to play North Park uh, last night, and uh, they were picked last in our league and they've got two wins in our league yeah. against, you know, two teams that I think are very good, mm-hmm. North Central and Wheaton. Yeah. And and we haven't obviously we haven't played uh, or seen uh Wheaton or uh, um, uh our opponent Elmhurst who's obviously having a terrific year. So I think there's the, the one thing I would say, Dave, I think there's a lot of parity. There's a lot of balance yeah. in our league and I think a lot has yet obviously to play out. I agree with you. I mean, Elmer said four and one. I didn't want to ignore them at nine and five. You mentioned North Park two and four in the season, but those two wins over Wheaton and North Central, um, of course, a game in, that, that North Central unfortunately had an, an, an unfortunate. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the Wheaton North Central game. Sorry, right? Uh, getting those all conflated in my head due to a tough injury, which I then saw in the Dallas game uh, last night mm-hmm. in football. Um, but yeah, and then you go and, and take care of, of North Park. One hundred nine sixty four. It just it, it it didn't make things any easier. Your one loss is Dolores in a heck of a game. I watched that one seventy four seventy three. Um, that one on the road back in November. You guys had a really weird start to the season. The fact that you started all four games on the road before coming home, and you didn't start easy with that. You had an overtime thriller with Stevens Point. You guys really went at it this season, didn't you? In the scheduling. Well, we did. We have a veteran team and, and have great expectations. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's tough to schedule too far out, but we knew this was a, a team that, you know, had the, had the bar set very high, and so we wanted to get a good challenge in early. And so I think our, our uh, strength of schedule is, you know, in the top 10 or 12 in the country. And so it's been very challenging and, you know, exposed this some early. And uh, uh, I think it'll be a schedule that, that really helps us as we – continue into conference play and as we look toward the postseason you know i know you just had greg mason on i thought our win over center was really big and uh, that score of that game was a a little bit misleading Mm -hmm. Uh, i I agreed with greg that that was a four-point game with about 12 minutes to go and then we just just really got it going but uh, i think they have a very good team obviously stevens point was a great win for us you know wash you wesleyan um loris has a very good team and and uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we've a tough schedule and uh, by design. Yeah, uh, of course, the wins are important. Yes, you lost Dolores, but that's it. You got wins over Stevens Point. You've got a win over Illinois Wesleyan, who, who's confusing folks as well, losing five of their last seven, but it, it may not tell the whole story. Uh, you beat a Wash U team that's kind of retooling itself. North Central, listen, I saw them in Vegas, Gray, and they impressed me because they were better than I expected them to be. Uh, I think they're a little too much Connor Raritan sometimes. But Blaze Meredith off the bench is certainly good. They've got other guys who certainly play well. I was surprised that game was 76-59. Is that another example where the score doesn't tell the story? No, we were up 20 with seven minutes to go okay. on that one. So it does tell the but story. They, it does. <laughs> but, you know, they've had a couple of, you know, debilitating injuries. Yeah, they lost they two starters. And, uh, you know, the one, of course, the horrific injury. And I tell you, you, it, it was a, a sickening injury, but yeah. it, it was really a kind of reassuring. I saw him at our game. He, you know, great athlete, <laughs> looked good. You know, you, you always feel better when you see a kid after an injury. Yeah, and they're and they're a big guy that uh, tore his ACL. And yep. So those were two tough injuries, and yet they come back last night 
and have a great win over Elmhurst, who was undefeated in the league. So as I said earlier, I think there's pretty good balance throughout the conference. Um, by the way, was he tooling around? Behind, was there enough room behind the bench for him to wheel behind it? Because we gave him a luxury yeah. at, at in Vegas, and I thought his coaches might kill him by the end of the, of the weekend. <laughs> I couldn't help but smile as the game ended. Uh, here he came on a scooter to shake hands. Yeah. And I, I just thought, well, there's the – the epitome of uh, Division Three athletics, yeah. and I know all of our players uh, extended their best to him as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I mean this dead seriously. They had a fascinating finish. It was a 10-point game when he got injured with a minute 17. There's a lot to play for. You can get back in and win a game if you hit a couple of shots there. Both teams called off the dogs. They ran off shot clocks, turned the ball over back to each other. They didn't want to play another second. I don't know if you've ever yeah. been in a situation like that, but as competitive as the CCIW is and as tight as that game really was, to be honest, could could you have done that? Is that something that's crossed your mind? And I don't mean that as a negative in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that's a different mentality. Well, it is, and and uh, again, I think maybe that's the best of Division Three. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I obviously wasn't there, and so wouldn't want to judge anybody's no. decisions. It certainly sounded the, like the right thing to do, and and I know, uh, uh, you know. Everybody seemed to feel like that was in the best interest of all parties. Yeah. So, you know, more power to them. Yeah, granted, 20, 30 minutes can cool off competitive juices as well, um, which can be a factor there. Hey, listen, um, we have the picture of Nolan Ebel on the website for a reason, uh, promoting the show, because he is your all-everything at this point, leading the team at 17 points a game, three rebounds a game, though that's not a team high, is certainly a significant number. 43 assists leads the way. He shoots 52% from the floor, 45% from beyond the arc, and 84% from the free throw line outside of rebounding, anything he can't do for you? I think the the thing that uh, I was most excited about last night, he had nine assists and one turnover. Wow. And that's one of the things I've, I've really been encouraging is for him. He, he's demanding so much attention now from the defense. That he's got a chance to make everybody else better. And I think he's really starting to understand that. And uh, obviously he's just really having a, a terrific year. And, you know, his running mate uh, is an all American player as well. And Chris orange and, I think the two of them give us as good a backcourt uh, certainly as there is at this level. I thought when we played Illinois State in the preseason, I thought we had the the best backcourt on the floor. So I, I'm I'm uh, really high on those guys, and they're doing a terrific job. Uh, we'll get back to guard play in the conference, uh, but it kind of brings it up. Christian Orange, obviously, he was the hero two years ago in the conf- in the NCAA tournament, got a lot of attention. Um, hasn't gotten the same amount of attention, but he's still second on the team in points, still shoots 48% from the floor, 41% from beyond the arc. He's still a significant portion of your game, but it seems like he's spotlight-wise not necessarily in the spotlight. Is that a good thing, maybe? Oh, I think it is. I mean, when you got a guy that was a you know Final Four All-Tournament guy as a sophomore, yeah. a preseason All-American as a junior – and we're not talking about him. I think that speaks volumes about where our, our team, uh, what we're capable of, because so much of our strength uh, is our balance. And uh, I, I think Nolan is, is, is scoring a few more points, but I looked at our shot attempts the other day. I think we're distributing the ball well. I think we've had a number of different guys lead us in scoring. And certainly Chris is uh, is having a, you know, he's having a great, we always talk in terms of, you know, what kind of year are you having? Well, how good's our team doing? You know, I think so many coaches, talk about well, this guy's scoring a lot of points or you know this guy should be mvp because he had something well how many games are you winning I, mean, I always get to the end of the year and think the players that were the most valuable helped their team win the most mm-hmm. and and that's what our guys are, are really dialed into and certainly chris uh, is one of those guys 
The other guy I wanted to bring up, you and I didn't get a chance to talk pregame but, or a pre-show, but you and I have talked in the last year. Pearson Warford's back on the team. Um, only got a handful of games last year and before things went kind of off the rails. Um, I'm not out in Rock Island. I'm not going to say anything, but what's it mean to have Pearson back on the show or on the show? Yeah, <laughs> mentioning him on the show, but back on the team and contributing the way he is. Yeah, he's had, you know, two uh, season-shortened uh, years. And, of course, last year, Karen is ACL uh, in our game against the University of Illinois. He was averaging 11.7 rebounds a game yeah. uh, when he got hurt. And, and I think he is just now uh, starting to really be full speed. You know, physically, he's been cleared for a couple months. But I think uh, from a confidence standpoint and a rhythm standpoint, you know, just in the last few weeks, he's really hit his stride. I think he's averaging seven rebounds a game. And he, he's another guy. He makes everybody better. I think he he energizes our team. Our, our guys like like playing with him. They get confidence from him because, uh, you know, he's a gamer and a great competitor and, and a terrific teammate. So, you know, just great to have him back uh, in the yeah. mix. We've talked about it a lot of how you guys have knocked on the door. For a while it was knocking on the door just to get to Salem, the Final Four. Then you got there and it was knocking on the door and finally winning a national championship. What's What's it going to take this year, and is this the type of team that can do it? Well, I think it is. I think this is a type of team. I think we've had five or six teams, you know, that yeah. were capable of winning a national championship. And, you know, a couple of years, uh, we got beaten overtime this several years ago by Wash U on their way to a title. St. Thomas beat us in a, in a heck of a game, went on to win. I think like four years we got beat by the team that went on to win. Stevens Point won the national championship. Um, so, you know, you got to catch some breaks. You know, matchups are key. Uh, you got to be playing your best at the right time. You got to stay healthy. There's a lot of variables that go into play, but this is a team that I think has the makeup and, and the, the, the talent and the mentality to make another great run. I, I will say, Dave, uh, we love uh, sharing the, the fact that uh, we've won more NCAA tournament games here at Augustana in the last four years than any program in America at any level. Yeah. You know, there's 1,100, you know, Division One, Two, II, and Three teams. We've won 15 NCAA tournament games the last four years. That's more than Villanova, more than Duke, more than Gonzaga. Yeah. And, and so we've had an unbelievable run. But like you said, uh, we'd sure love to, to take one more step and, uh, and cut down the nets in what now, uh, Fort Wayne, right? Yeah. <laughs> A little shorter drive for you guys uh, yeah. than, than it's yeah. been in the past, should you get there. Yeah. Um, back to the conference. There hasn't been an undefeated conference team in, I think, since I was born. Um, in the 1970s, it is, it's a running joke that the Miami Dolphins even have a, bo- uh, a case of champagne on ice uh, for when the next team loses. You guys yeah. have come close. I'm not saying anything at 5-0. and oh. There's a lot to play for. But does that matter? Well, it, it doesn't, and, and it's, it's just not something we talk about. I, I will say we talk a lot about winning the conference because if we could do that this year um, – a team has gone undefeated in CCIW back in the early 70s. No program in the history of the league has won or shared five consecutive conference titles, and mm. that's what we're trying to do this year. So what we're trying to do, to me, is even greater yeah. than having an undefeated regular season. We're trying to win a fifth consecutive CCIW championship. And, you know, would I love to be 16-0? and 0? That'd be great. I don't think that's realistic at all. But sure. but our you know our drive for five as we call it <laughs> to me would would be historic. I mean, it's seventy plus years of yeah. of conference play. No program, not not the great North Park teams, wow. or the great Wesleyan teams, the great Augie teams. No programs ever won five consecutive titles. 
So to me, that would be a you know an historic achievement. I agree. Uh, you've got Elmer's ahead of you, and then Carthage this week, and obviously the rest of the conference schedule out mm-hmm. uh, after that. What are you expecting out of Elmer's and Carthage this week? Oh, I, th- I think Elmer's has a terrific team. They've got one of the premier players in the in the league in their in Rody, their point guard. They've got a physical, big, strong front line, uh, skilled wings. Uh, they're you know well coached. Um, you know, I, I look at, at the next couple of weeks, and I think uh, we'll know if we're for real or not because three of our next four games are on the road, and we've got Carthage at home. And, uh, and I think you know every game you play, you just feel like. Uh, I know when I break it down and look at our next opponent, I just feel like we're playing the you know Golden State, and I see all our flaws um, every time you prepare. But uh, um, you know it's a tough road, and 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 his conference play is all across the country. Whatever conference you're in, the the league play is different, and uh, it, it just uh, more familiarity, and more intensity, uh, and more history, and and so league play's tough, and and I expect that we'll have some real battles on our hands. Well, Gray, as always, enjoy chatting with you. Uh, I appreciate the time um, to talk about the Vikings. I feel like you know maybe it was too early, but I know we're going to talk a lot about the CCIW the rest of the season, so we figured we'd get things rolling here tonight. So I appreciate the time you, you, you took to join us. Good luck the rest of the way. Uh, fascinating to see how it all turns out. As always, give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, well, appreciate all you do for the D3 Hoops, Dave, and uh... – Enjoy watching that game oh, yeah. of the Bears and the Eagles. It's going to be fun for you to watch. Oh, well, anything could be fun versus what I watched out of the Ravens, to be honest with you. But thanks for that tease. Really appreciate it. I, I'm now nervous. Look forward to visiting with you down the road. Definitely. Take care of yourself, sir. Talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, Dave. Great, Giovanni, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Um, I saw it was a line. Gray and I have joked about this in the past. Uh, there's a, the group on the other, the fans, the student section on the other side that always wears jackets and takes them off when Gray takes his off. And the running joke is, when does Gray take off his jacket? Uh, usually in frustration, whether his team or or with officiating or or a combination of their of those two items, or maybe something else. Who knows? And uh, I saw someone make a comment that I think in the last game of the game before that he took it off with about nine and a half minutes left to go in the first half. Uh, that's early. Gray, I know, has gotten into the habit of trying to take it off in the second half just to keep those students from having to be able to take it off themselves. But great, thanks for taking the time to join us, and thanks for not ruining the Bears game for me. Uh, again, they got Elmers ahead of them on the road on the ninth, which is Wednesday. They're then at home against Carthage. The one to make is the next week. Then they're on the road against Wheaton and Illinois Wesleyan. Remember, Illinois Wesleyan's already come to Rock Island this season. It was a barn burner of a game. Now Augustana's got to go to Wheaton and go to Illinois Wesleyan. They have the return trip with Wheaton in February. Um, they still got North Central to play again. This is going to be an interesting CCIW battle. I'm not even going to go out on a limb and tell you if anybody can get through it undefeated. I think that drive for five, as he says, is far more interesting. Before I go, I want to take a quick side trip here. Coming up next, Ryan Scott will join us. Saw something interesting, and, and sometimes I don't quite grasp the, the mentality. You know what? No, we're going to wait for the other break. Before Ryan comes on, I want to tell you about why I don't quite sometimes understand the mentality of coaches. Sometimes you got to understand the situation in front of you. I saw a really interesting one. Remember I teased that, that trying women? They played Olivet. Come back after the break. Something I spotted when I watched back on the game that kind of jumped out at me. Take a break. When we come back, more hoops. So Ryan Scott will join us. We'll do a top 25 
double take, as it were, because we're voting for the first time in about two and a half some odd weeks. Or is it three? I've lost track. Got a lot to figure out ourselves. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the program. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Got about 25 minutes left to go in the show. We'll spend about 20 of them with Ryan Scott talking about the top 25s. Um, and then we'll wrap things up. Don't forget, we're on the air Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. Pretty much Sundays and Thursdays, 7 o'clock Eastern for the rest of the season. Super Bowl weekend will be a caveat to that. We haven't figured out our exact plans, but be tuned because we got a surprise coming for you in that category, but we're not announcing it anytime soon. All right, tease us at the beginning. It's going to kind of step my way into things. Uh, I decided to take in a little bit of the Try and Olivet women's game uh, the other night. You may be asking me why yeah, I had an opportunity to watch Try and kind of curious of how good they are. 
try and head Olivet, obviously easily covered. But what I saw in the fourth quarter kind of kind of surprised me, and and kind of doing some research later, it, you know, kind of figured out some things that didn't make any sense. Trine's got Olivet easily covered. The game is essentially over. They're playing out the clock. And Trine basically puts in all their reserves. There's some players who had played, some players who hadn't played. Um, obviously, the starter's not in the game. Olivet's coach decides to throw on a full-court press. That made no logical sense to me. I to, to the point that I had to go ask some people if I was seeing this right. Did, was there somebody out there that I didn't realize was there something going on was the score maybe closer than the scoreboard was telling me it was i mean we're talking about a 20 30 point game or something to that effect i don't understand coaches sometimes you know we can talk about coaches who who don't let us see archives of broadcast because they're paranoid even though every single file of every single game is being shared across every single medium out there every coach sees it they share talking points at meetings so I don't get that. I don't get coaches who want to hide their starters sometimes. I don't get coaches who want to play games with their uniforms to make it hard on us. There was a set of uniforms that, thank goodness, we were courtside in Vegas for Pat and I, or it would have been a nightmare. Why are you putting on a full-court press in a game that's a blowout and you're being blown out against the reserves? If I had been the head coach, I kid you not, if I had been the head coach, I would have put my starters back in and thrown it down their throats. I don't get it sometimes. It, it, it's not a learning experience at that point. You're not teaching your team anything at that point. It just didn't make any sense to me. And sometimes I just do not understand coaches. And by the way, I thought Olivet would be better by this point in time. Um, their men's program has certainly come. I, I just didn't understand. And, it, and by the way, I'm not knocking on Olivet only because I've seen this from other programs. I've seen the opposite. GP Gromacki's trying to call off the dogs at Amherst because he's destroying teams. Why would you full-court press when you're getting destroyed in a game and they've put in their reserves to clearly signify to you, we're doing our best not to kill you here? I just didn't understand it. With that in mind, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, who would you vote for number one? I've been impressed with how trying women's basketball has been playing. And while it's not necessarily the topic uh, of conversation for Ryan Scott, because you know he, he usually talks about men's primarily, I am kind of curious on his take. I go to go to him, and it turns out our, our graphic or our, our thing is not working. So bear with me here as I'm just going to quickly add his, his screen here. There we go. D to D. There it is. Just have to go through some details. So, again, we've got Thomas Moore at the top, and we have, um, who is it? We have uh, Bowden, both of them playing well, but who do you select? You know, who do you, who do you pick? Um, here we go. I'm just trying to switch over to the right screen for Ryan, who we know is who is there to, to enjoy this with us. Why is this not work? Come on. It's grabbing the wrong window is the problem here. Uh, there he is. We'll get him in here momentarily as I just got to shrink the screen. Otherwise, you see a really big picture of Ryan. And, and I know Ryan well enough to tell you that he doesn't want to see all, he doesn't want us to see all of him. He just wants us to see some of him. Now, joining us via Skype, it is Ryan Scott. Sir, hey, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. Glad to finally be here. Yes, thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, you've been there the whole time. People just didn't realize it. Um, quickly on women, if you were voting, because I know you've been paying attention, Bowden with an undefeated record with a really significant win over Tufts, Thomas Moore with 21 victories already, 
uh, over some really good teams, but a nail biter against Texas Dallas. Who you, who would you vote number one? So it would have been Thomas Moore, no question. Up until the other day, I didn't get to see the Bowden Tufts game to actually see how Bowden was playing. Okay, and that's the one caveat I'll give in this. I'm a I'm on Thomas Moore's side, other than the fact I didn't actually see Bowden in that game, which <laughs> I, I imagine could have swayed my my decision because uh, that was a pretty impressive win over a very good team. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least, very impressive. I'm just it, Thomas Moore fascinates me because they have now played 21. They'll play their 26-second game, I believe, tomorrow, Monday, uh, before they get you know basically the rest of the season off. Uh, they will play essentially five more games if we assume they get all the way through the ACAA two-round tournament. <laughs> I, they're good, but we may not be able to really know that. Yeah, I mean. I'm really interested to see them play Mary Harden Baylor tomorrow. I think, yeah, right? Agreed. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah um, tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, I know Gordon's been on here before talking about how they're, they're a lot deeper than they have been um, in in previous years, and the the offense is spread around. But they still have. Uh, I'm a big numbers guy. Madison Temple is just oh. incredible right now. I looked today because somebody Pat was asking me about um, career marks that are coming up. She's yeah. currently active D3 women's basketball player. She has the most points. She's top 10 in assists. She leads in free throw percentage and field goal percentage as career active players right now. Wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's sick. It's a, and here's the funny thing. is She played her freshman year the last year Sydney Moss was playing. I remember Gordon saying, I don't even remember she was on the team. I kind of remember she was on the team. Yeah. Imagine... If she had gotten, I don't mean to, it's not a negative, but a full freshman year. Well, know, she played three years where she wasn't the point guard. Right. <laughs> oh, right. She had, had a much better point guard, to be blunt, as a point. Uh, Madison is darn good at what she does now. Yeah, a fascinating team. And then Bowden showing they're good. I saw Amherst. I'm shocked Eastern Connecticut beat them. I'll be blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the great well, part. Hmm? Yeah, and, and that's the Amherst has been looking really good. I think they've looked good the last couple games better than they were earlier in the season. So agree. Uh, and they're very young. So and here's sense. the funny thing: if anybody listened to the D3Hoops.com or the D3Hoops Classic Conversations, I talked with GP Gromacki and Hannah Fox after she poured in 43 freaking points in a game against Westfield State. GP's words to me: it's a good thing we didn't have to do a second take because I nearly was, I almost stopped talking. I was so stunned. He said, oh, for the first time in 12 years, I put on the scouting report, we need to score points. He said, we decided we were not going to try and slow them down. We were just going to play their same game. And I went, you did what? They, they went toe-for-toe toe with Westfield. Not that Westfield, it, it, I just mean in the system. They went toe-for-toe system-wise yeah. with Westfield State and said, okay, we'll score. And you could see Westfield about halfway through the game going, no, no, we want to slow down. We want to go half court here. Well, and that is... Um, what happens if you're if you're not in a system where you're also still recruiting these top athletes? Some of those teams get used to being able to make mistakes. Yeah, right. And if you're playing at that pace with a team like Amherst and the talent they have, you're just not going to make fewer mistakes than they do. That's true. <laughs> and it's going to be hard to win those games. I mean, that's what happens. I, Whitman doesn't play the system, but they play that no. fast pace. Right. And I think sometimes they get used to being able to make a lot of mistakes, and then when Fair. it gets to the end of the season and they're playing really talented teams that comes back to bite them that's so. a that's a very good point yeah that's a, I, I like that's a great example of, of how that works i was amazed the next night they came out struggling 
uh, did Amherst. And, and I watched T.P. Kromacki literally not coaching. The only thing I saw him do at one point was tell Hannah Fox to take the ball during a possession to control the, at the point. Otherwise, he let his team figure it out. Then they figured it out, went on a 35-7 to run, and said, thank you, good night, and see you later. Yeah, I mean, the talent there is, I don't want to say sick, because that's a negative connotation. But it's, yeah, I know it's, what you're saying. It's just incredibly impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think there are a lot of ways that his teams could win. And the True. fact that they do it focused on defense and with the discipline they do is, is even more a testament to what he, he gets them to buy in for. So, uh, I mean, it's impressive all around. And I'm just glad there's so many great teams on the women's side this year that it's not just... Yeah. You know, a runaway one or two teams at the top. You know, there's there's five or six that that could win anything. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. And the top 25 voters actually have to work on their ballots, like us men voters have having to be doing for years now. They actually, the women have had a lot of losses that they have to contend with, and and so have so have we, uh, Gordon, uh, Ryan. Um, I now I am not surprised that we're going to vote tomorrow with a plethora of losses and data to try and figure out. What I am surprised in is there's teams like Johns Hopkins, which I said at the beginning of the show, who went 0-2 at the D3Hoops.com Classic, and I need mm-hmm. to find a way to get them in my top 25 because they were that darn good. Yeah, uh, I noticed the same thing. The, the last team off uh, the top 25 was Illinois Wesleyan, yeah. who over the break lost twice. Right. But it was, you know, two-point loss to Whitman and six points to Stevens point. And I feel like those two losses have actually improved their standing in my mind. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. It doesn't usually losses help answer questions for us or, or at least tell us, okay, forget it. I'm moving on. Those yeah. two teams are great examples of where two losses went. No, now I'm confused. Yeah. They really are good. They're better than who I think they're, they're better than them, but, but that team's still winning. That's where sometimes I wish people would appreciate that the top 25 is a breathing thing. That, yeah. that you know, we're, we're looking at teams not just straight up. We're looking at the entire body. You know, Greg uh, Mason made a great point. You know, his center squad's 12-2. and two. They played WNL, who's a good team. They played TCNJ, who's a good team. Those teams are all probably in the top 50, which means, in your and my world, we're considering them in some degree. Yep. That's a good thing to have all these great teams, but man, I, where do you even start tomorrow besides Nebraska Wesleyan's number one? Yeah, well, I did it this afternoon. Sunday afternoon's usually Gee. my my habit, so I've got the whole thing sitting in front of me. I've already submitted and everything, Dave. So. I haven't even looked outside of just my usual work. Um, I was really surprised, honestly. Not only how many teams are in contention, but just the the teams that I had sort of written off that when you're you're comparing where they are now after the holiday break, maybe are a little better than I thought they were. Um, I made a joke on Twitter already tonight. I said, I'm, I'm really confident in one through four. I think yeah, I eight's that. pretty good. I think ten's all right. Everybody else is too high. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to reply, but I was too busy. I wanted to say, everybody's too high. That's been the problem for the last five years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, we talked b- behind the scenes. It seems like uh, for MIT, AJ, AJ Jerko, the point guard who's been having just a yeah. career year as a senior year this year. Yeah. He's been doing so great. Apparently had a pretty bad injury the other night. I haven't heard updates on what's happening, but yeah. they're probably going to be without him for a while. And I was saying, you know, maybe that's not really a top 10 team without him. And then looking at it today, I've got him seven and that might even be too low. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's about right. Ra- you know, folks that wraps up a top 25 voter <laughs> Uh, mentality in a nutshell. You know what? There's no way. I am not including him top 10. 
shoot, I've got a hole between five and ten. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. I mean, I could go down the list and name literally a dozen teams that I'm I'm kind of embarrassed how high they are on my ballot, but I don't know who else to put above them. Yeah, so. I'm with you. Hey, um, anything jump out of you from from the holidays? And, and you had the vantage point of watching the classic from the monitor or the screen, whereas we were at home or we were on site, which always has a different vantage point. Anything from that or anything from the holidays that jumped out of you as a surprise? Um, I was a little surprised that Worcester seemed to struggle over the break in a way that I, mm-hmm. I didn't expect. You know, mm-hmm. that's a team that's typically really disciplined. Um, I'm a, I'm a little worried about where they're at right now. Um, they at least think... somewhat bounced back with a win over New Jersey, Ohio West right. and New Jersey City and DePaul. I mean, they're good. I've got them in my top 25. I'm not, I mean, See, we're I don't. kind of picking nits here. I've got them at 24 this week. Okay. Uh, I, I wasn't happy about it, but that was another one of those that was like, I don't know who I'm putting in. So, um, but I, I kind of thought they were a little bit better than that. Um, I don't know what to make of, of how Whitewater went through the break. That was a little confusing. And then I realized you have a team like Plattsburgh that hasn't played in three weeks. So right. it, it's it's hard when some teams have played four games over the holidays. You get them in your mind and you get a better sense of of maybe how they're playing right now and how do i compare that to a team that hasn't played um you know since december 15th or something like that I did, by the way i just noticed we've been doing the um um, um what was the show Toolman taylor what was the show with uh tim allen improvement yes um you, you you've been doing the neighbor thing with the fence oh sorry serious. no you're fine it actually was in i was getting a kick out of him like we should do that period that's a great gig <laughs> Get a little gimmick. Um, I wanted to apologize. Anybody's listening to the podcast, they have no idea what we're talking about. But for a while, they were we were just looking at Ryan from his nose up. Um, okay. <laughs> um, listen, we'll we'll get back into this starting next Sunday, where we do it. You know, who's overrated, who's underrated. You know, we kind of did that plus buy and sell a little bit. We won't do buy and sell every week. We'll do buy and sell every few weeks. That way, we got a little bit more data to build on than just a week's reaction. But is there anybody when you were doing the top twenty-five you felt was underrated by the rest of the voters that you've been you've been pretty sold on, or did this past week or this past couple of weeks blow that apart? Um, so the one that surprised me when I'm really looking at the schedules and the results, St. Thomas is having a really good year. They yeah, lost that, that opening game in New York to Brooklyn, and yeah. I think that threw everybody off a little bit. But their results have been really strong. They've only lost that one game. They haven't lost since. Um, they're a young team, so they're getting better. Um, that was one of the big surprises uh, as I was looking. Salisbury, obviously, they were winning a lot. They lost over the break, but they also had some really good wins. Um, I've seen them in person, and I don't, frankly, understand how they're winning so many of these games. It doesn't feel like a team <laughs> that should be able to do that. Um, and then on the other side, I just don't know what's happened with Platteville. Yeah. They've yeah. lost a lot of games and games I wouldn't expect them to lose. And it's the same team almost from last year. Uh, just not sure what, what's happening with them right now. I, you know, I saw them in person. I wasn't blown away. I, I mean, they're good. They're not bad. They're good. They're better than this record. They should be better than this record. I can <laughs> see how they've dropped some because they're inconsistent. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean – they're lucky they beat Hopkins. Lucky. Right. Hopkins should have won that game. Um, 
Yeah, that that one's got Rowan's my underrated, and and I'm saying it trepidatiously because I'm going on a little bit of the word of Chuck McBreen, who basically you you would have bought stock in him if you could after talking to him in, in our D3Hoops.com cla- uh, ca- classic conversations. He spoke really highly of them, but they're the ones who beat Salisbury. Um, they're the ones who beat somebody else. Um, can't find it as I'm quickly scanning my notes here. I can't find where they where they got that other victory. That, they did that... just lose to FNM, which is sort of what kept them a little bit down for me. But, but right. I saw them in person. This is a lot the same team. They've been a pretty young team the last couple of years, and now they're not so young anymore. Right. I've uh, seen them in person. They've struggled in the post before. Okay. Uh, and they've struggled in the spring once they've really gotten into the heart of conference play. So I'm going to give them a couple more weeks. But I, and I may too. But they're the ones that kind of jump out at me. They've got you. Know, you see yeah. a team lose, like oh, who do they lose to? Rowan. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's what's jumped out. And maybe it's one of those other NJAC teams that I think I was keeping an eye on that that's that jumped out at me. Um, they're definitely underrated. Again, I think Hopkins is underrated, but they're also dealing with injuries. Uh, you know, they lost their their best player, but then they. Their first two games back, they nearly knock off Platteville and Whitworth um, <laughs> in games. And granted, they were dealing with illness, too. One of their main inside guys didn't play very many minutes in Vegas because he had been ill, um, very badly ill, you know, just flu-like ill for, for leading into those two games. So he didn't have a lot of energy in him. So they're kind of my underrated. I, this one's a little difficult considering we've had three weeks here. And so, you know, since we voted – can't say who's overrated because if we've been voting the last three weeks, this may have changed. But is there any team, and I've got my eye on one, that it's just they've been uncomfortably high? Uh, I am looking at my list. Well, you look, and I'll say mine. Whitewater. Okay. I, I, yeah, that's probably the one I would come up with. The stock, I think too many p- people put stock in transfers. Um, and I don't mean that negatively. It just always takes time for transfers to come around. But I know they were they were undefeated until they lost to Stevens Point in Eau Claire, but there was nothing about who they played until they beat Loris that jumped out at me. And once they beat Loris, I'll freely admit one, okay, Whitewater's maybe for real. I'll, 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 I'll take a look at them you know, and, and buy into them. I, I like what I see. They beat Sol Ross State. Okay, wasn't expecting otherwise there. They beat Concordia, Texas. Great. Whoops, lost to Stevens Point. Okay, tough squad. I lost to Eau Claire? And it's not a knock on Eau Claire, but if Whitewater's really that good, they shouldn't be losing to Eau Claire. Yeah, I mean, I think they may have been a little overrated. That doesn't make them bad. No, right. And I want to, yeah, good point. I want to stress this. They're not <laughs> bad. They're I just don't think they're 10. 10 team. They were playing like a top 10 team, but they probably aren't. Yeah, that's probably a fair way of looking at it. I, yeah, I don't, I, I, the overrated one's hard. Because um, I would have probably, if we had voted after the Loris game, I probably would have jumped them into my top 15 or top 20 at least. Um, so, you know, they would have gotten more love from me and probably hot, gone higher. I just felt like 10 was just, even when it came out, I was like, Ugh, 10 feels high. I'm not even voting for him. And 10 felt high. So that's, again, they're not bad. No, overrated doesn't mean bad. They're just maybe too, their ranking's too high. Yeah, and that's such a hard one because that's such a talented team and they were playing well to start. Um, yeah. They didn't have a bunch of big transfers this year. They finally let the the team kind of gel a little bit and i thought maybe that was going to be what it took and you know you take a couple losses that's what happens it's a long season uh, uh daryl duncan them off what'd you say said i'm not writing them off no i'm not writing them off i'll, I'll stay on my radar um daryl duncan saying i uh, enjoyed watching the classic games provided great commentary and play uh i think i know what he's saying in post-game interviews well thank you daryl he's also says he can't wait for tuesday night yeah 
I am I am getting the big screen ready. I am uh, I'm going to have a few drinks and and uh, some snacks ready for me to go, because Tuesday night it is Whitworth versus Whitman. Buckle uh-huh. up, folks. First first big clash. Yeah, the first big clash of these two. I saw Whitworth in person. Um, better than I expected. I and I've had them in my top ten. Uh, actually, I've had them three. Yeah, you've uh, had them moved, higher than I have. So right, I had them two for a little bit, and then moved them to three uh, when I moved uh, uh, Augustana ahead of them. Um, and that won't probably change. Nebraska will be Nebraska. Nebraska one. Augustana two. Whitworth three. Um, Whitman's been in my top five. The one thing I will say about Whitworth is, um, they can't they can't go too deep in the bench. If they go too deep, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And you, you noticed that at the earlier part of the season when they got in foul right. trouble in a game. There's not much margin of error. No, there's a yeah, there's less margin of error than there needs to be. I I found that their bench they had some more talent than I expected. If that makes any sense, um, but they also had a few game. Uh, the, the difference between that guy and the next guy came off the bench was stark. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, those first four four guys are just incredible. Yeah, well, you know, Kyle Roach is Roach, good. Roach in college. And... Roach is good, but he's trying too hard. He's He's got to trust his guys a little bit more. There's times in, in the Classic where it felt like he was trying to put everybody on his shoulders, couldn't figure out why he couldn't get a call, which shouldn't have been called in the first place, and then he's in a funk for the next five minutes. Yep. Um, he's got to let his other guys step up. That said, Ben College is filthy. Yeah. And he will sneak up on you. At one point in their game, I think it, it wasn't against Hop- you know, it was against Hopkins. I didn't feel like we were talking about him much. And then the next thing I know, he hits a bunch of shots. And I'm like, well, there you go. Uh, Pat was jokingly calling, asking when we were going to change him to university since it, the fad is yeah. all these colleges – Changing universities. Um, John Lester, I liked. I really like Jared Christie. Right. Ben Bishop frustrates me. He's <laughs> he's he's a good player. I think he's he frustrates a huge presence, right. but he disappears. Yeah, he will, and he'll be and gone and standing right in the middle of the floor. And that's sort of what I meant. That Roach College, Lester Christie, really, really good players, yeah. and they've got some other talented guys. But it's not super deep, and um, you know, if one of those guys has a has a bad night, it's going to be a close game. I mean, well, they. And then they, they have, their other problem in the Hopkins game was Kevin Crosno, who I think's better than than advertised. Got in foul trouble, only played nine minutes in that contest. He certainly made his presence known against Emory and Henry. Sam Lee's is a good player inconsistent. I like Isaiah Hernandez. I think he's pretty good. But here's the thing. None of the guys I mentioned, including Liam uh, Fitzgerald, who apparently got into the game, but I, I barely remember when, none of them have the size and presence of Bishop. So when they have to remove Bishop, because either he's inconsequential yep. or foul trouble or they need to go to a different style of game, you lose a huge presence inside in Bishop. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see Tuesday how much he can play anyway, just with the style that, that right. goes. Um, they rely on those the guards and the, the ball handlers a lot more. Um, what was so impressive when they beat Whitman last year was that they basically beat a team of 12 guys with four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and that's just a hard thing to do on a consistent basis. So it'll be interesting to see how the styles go and, and what happens on Tuesday night. And by the way, Linfield's for real. 
Uh, this conference is going to be fascinating. I, mm, we could have what we've seen on the women's side, on the men's side, and that's three NWA, NWC teams coming out. Yeah, um, I think Linfield's going to have to win that tournament for that to happen, but uh, we'll see. Let's see how they do during the regular season in conference play. If if they can knock off one of the wits at least once. We'll see. I think that changes the equation. But Shannon Rosenberg's got a squad there now, and I'm glad to see it. And George Fox is lurking, too. Um, that Northwest Conference is turning fun. But anyway, Tuesday night, um, I suspect I'll have it on the big screen while chatting with you <laughs> on the computer. Uh, any other surprise before I let you go? I guess I have to mention Gordon. Uh, Not Gordon Mann. You mean the school. The school, Gordon <laughs> College of Wenham, Massachusetts, the arch rival of my alma mater. Um, they've only lost once this year, which was a terrible loss early yeah. in the season to Ramapo. But they, they have only lost once, and they just beat Nichols yeah. the other night. I've seen them a couple times because they played ENC twice this year. Already? Uh, yeah, well, it's the rivalry thing, and they're not in the same conference anymore. So they scheduled oh, right. Break. They scheduled right. a home and home over the break. I uh, forgot about that. Uh, they're good. It's, it's hurting solid. you, isn't they've, it? They've they've always had incredible perimeter defense. So the mm -hmm. field goal percentage defense has always been really good, which keeps you in games. Um, they've got really quality rebounders and and a guard who's starting to assert himself. Demers, I think, is how you say it. And um, you know, they're not like not going to be a contender for the title or anything, but it's a good conference and a conference yeah. that's getting better. And and I think they're at the top of it right now. So. Um, yeah. Someone to watch. I agree. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see how that uh, that all plays out. Um, yeah, I noticed Gordon with the win over Nichols. I kind of went, uh oh. Um, and I know it hurt you to talk about Gordon. Um, yeah, it's, it's, in any way, shape, or form. You'd rather be talking about how bad they are. Yeah, there's some there's some deep seated scars down there. <laughs> Clearly, sir. I appreciate the time as always. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Um, no, I, uh, I, I feel like it's, I'm, I'm just excited. Um, I feel like this was the right break. We had the right games. I didn't feel like yeah. there were too many of them, but there were enough that, that we were involved and I'm, I'm refreshed and ready to go for the final push here the last couple of weeks. And, um, March is here before you know it. Uh, yeah. You're that last part's the key. It is going to be here way sooner than we realize it. Um, on that, by the way, I'm going to send you my ballot. If you could fill it out for me, I'd greatly appreciate it. I'm not really ready to vote. Not, sure. not at all. <laughs> and from what I'm hearing from hints from people who are trying to be nice to me, I might be throwing more than my ballot around tonight while watching the Bears game, but I digress. You didn't watch. You were watching the Golden Globes. Well, I, I walked from one room to the other to turn on the Golden Globes, which was on the same channel as the game, and the team that was winning changed in the time that it took me to get from one wow. room. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a good hint. I like the fact that we're going to have a hell of a game at the end. All right. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, better than what I watched earlier out of the Baltimore team. Not surprised it, it, that that happened in the slightest shape. Some liberal use out of your fast-forward button for the first three quarters there. Let's say that. Oh, I tend to <laughs> – usually teams take about 30 seconds between plays, so I use the 30-second fast-forward thing. It's really helpful. Yeah. Works nicely. You may get Sir. a 30-minute one there at some point. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, I w Enjoy. true. You know what? Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I needed one earlier today, to be honest. All right, sir. Thanks so much. Take care of yourself. I'll talk to you soon. All right.
Ryan Scott joining us on the uh, Skype Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to join us. That was fun. Uh, We'll trim that down a little bit more as we move forward, have some more fun with it, and get a little buy and sell in the future as well. We'll get Bob Quillman mixed in. Sometimes we'll try and get some women's points of view on Thursday nights, for example. A reminder, on Thursday we will debut our WBCA Center Court segment, and next Sunday we will debut our NABC Coach's Corner segment as well. That's going to wrap it up for us. I want to thank all of our guests for coming on. Uh, they include, as we mentioned, Emmanuel Women's Coach and now the winningest women's coach in Division Three basketball history, uh, Andy Yasinoff from Emmanuel. also want to thank Greg Mason from Center and Gray Giovanni from Augustana, and, of course, Ryan Scott, as always. want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Daryl, especially, thanks for the comments at the end. Um, Dan says, Oshkosh, a question for Coach Gray. I didn't see this. I mean, lost the coat in two games, cumulative 11 minutes last year versus Oshkosh, true or false? Um, Gray lost the coach in two games, cumulative 11 minutes last year. You know what? It's possible, Dan. I'm not positive. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if he did. He, you just tuned in. He was already on the show, so I can't I can't ask him about it now. Uh, again, top 25s come out tomorrow, brand new ones. In the evenings, We our deadlines are like 6 o'clock at night, so you won't see them until the evenings. Uh, there will be some movement. I don't think there's going to be a lot of the top positions on the men's side. Women's, it's going to be interesting. Let's watch Bowden and Thomas Moore, see who ends up being the number one team. I think Bowden may have made a, a case to stay at number one. Um, but Thomas Moore's got one more game of significance tomorrow against Mary Harden Baylor being a Monday. That game will be a, a big determination. And then, by the way, the uh, Saints can go home and rest. <laughs> um, if you did not notice, um, keep an eye out. I want to thank University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire Athletics and Randolph-Macon um, College Athletics for joining the D3Hoops.com broad, um, sponsor uh, advertisers list. We will have more, we hope to add in the next week or two, not only schools, but others. I want to thank them, though, for joining us and being part of our efforts to stay on the air. Because, folks, this takes bills. We are going to try and bring out another element for you, those of you who like to uh, donate to the cause, as it were. We have an idea. Just need to get it off the ground. And actually, believe it or not, in the next week or so, I've got some time to focus on that. You would have thought in my 20 hours it took me to fly to Vegas on December 26th and 27th, that I would have had time to do such work. I did not. I had wasted enough of that time trying to figure out where my plane was located while while sitting in the Indianapolis airport for about 11 or 12 hours, or 10 or 11 hours. And we had some work still on the classic to do. And by the time I got to Vegas, I was brain dead. And the rest of that trip went as you would have expected. It was a blur. Um, I came back more tired because I had started tired. But yeah, 20 hours, if you did not hear the story, you can go back to look on it on Twitter. It took me to get from Baltimore to Vegas via airplane, via, so it went Baltimore to Indianapolis to Vegas was the scheduled trip. It went Baltimore to Indianapolis to Detroit to Vegas. Luckily, the trip back was uneventful, but I decided to try and rest and not work on sponsorships. But we will work on that in the near future, and hopefully you'll see more here on the show. We are late, and we got to get off the air because we made a goal of trying not to go too far in overtime on these shows. On Thursday, <coughs> excuse me, we will be um, primarily having guests from the East Mid-Atlantic, South, or I'm sorry, Great Lakes and West regions. Sometimes we dabble with the South when we need to schedule-wise, 
and the WBCA center court will debut. So we'll jam in a bunch there. I will tell you, if, if you're paying attention, normally we have a guest from every seg- every region that we talk to. Notice we did not from the Atlantic tonight. We will not guarantee all four regions get a guest. We, we are trying to keep the shows from being over-slammed at least through January. In February, if we feel that we still have enough content and we need to talk about each region or at least have a guest from each region, we will most likely expand the show to another hour on those occasions and get everybody in. But in the meantime, we're hoping to just stick to four guests a show uh, for the time being. But we'll see how it how it progresses. Sometimes we may need to sneak in a fifth. Um, again, if you got guest ideas, if you got thoughts, questions, comments, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Facebook us also at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We are on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, but though we tend to use that just as a promotional tool, not necessarily a conversational tool. So just keep that in mind. You can use Instagram to find out who we might have on the show down the road. Thanks, everybody who came on. Again, our coaches and, of course, the sports information directors. Uh, they include Kyle at Center. Uh, we also want to thank Dave Rath at Augustana and, um, oh, Daniel, uh, Dan at, uh, at Emmanuel for their help as well. You've been watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks to the WBCA and NABC, Women's Basketball Coaches Association and National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also thanks to the support of the of Wisconsin-Eau Claire Athletics and Randolph-Macon College Athletics. We will be back here Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern. If you have any, I like to use this show in any way, re-air it in any portion, we appreciate that. But please contact us so that we know about it and give you the proper permissions because Hoopsville is owned by DMAC Productions, myself. So give me a call, as they say. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back here now on Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Good night.